Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Sometimes we think about what it would be like to let someone off of the hook. So someone has done something and we might be tempted to shame or blame them, they wanna let them off of the hook. But the question that might be most helpful or resourceful for people, for myself, is how can I put myself on the hook? How can I find myself responsible? Even leaving the blame and the shame behind. What's the secret to accelerating towards your goals in life? Allow us to introduce you to one of our most important core values, ownership. To us, ownership is about taking control of your entire world, creating agency around your goals, and what behaviors may be currently preventing you from reaching them. I'm David Gerber, and I'm joined by Janet Breitenbach, John Roberts, and Laura Gruen to dive into how developing ownership will completely change your life. Practicing this skill will allow you to lift yourself into your dreams and is the first step towards going beyond high performance. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, my name is Mike Park, and I'm a proud graduate of the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. The faculty of the Meta Performance Institute not only provided the training, tools, and experience to learn how to coach people toward powerful growth and thrilling results, but also advocated for that kind of growth and results in my own life. I had the unique opportunity to have world-class executive coaches invest in my development, both professionally and personally. It's a privilege to be part of a tribe of coaches fiercely committed to exploring what we are capable of together. If you're looking to become a coach or to set up your coaching practice to reach the next level, I highly recommend the certification from the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching to fill out a free assessment of your abilities as a coach and to connect with someone to find out if the Meta Performance Institute is for you, check out www.mp.institute. All right. So and with me today, I've got three of our top coaches and I'm excited to introduce them to you and they're going to contribute to the conversation about ownership. So first of all, we've got Janet Breitenbach. Say hello, Janet. Hi, everyone. Janet is a partner at the firm and she also is a keynote speaker to leaders and their teams. And she currently lives in Pasadena, California. I've also got John Roberts with us. Say hi, John. Hello, everyone. Uh, John's a senior partner at the firm and he currently lives in Los Angeles on the west side uh, out by the beach. And then we've got Laura Gruen with us, who's a former practicing attorney, as well as an executive coach at Novus Global, and she resides in Denver, Colorado, just down the street from me. Say hello, Laura. Hello. All right. So I'm excited to have these three coaches with us, and we're going to be diving right into ownership. Is what is the problem that ownership solve? Where where does it take us? Why does it matter? And so part of the things that come up for us is that in our own lives, in our coaching, people make excuses. They let themselves off the hook. They come up with all kinds of things to distract themselves. They blame internal factors, external factors. All these things come up. And so coaching for us is about taking ownership for your entire world so you can create breakthroughs, expose blind spots and live your life a level beyond what you currently think you're capable of. So let's let's dive in and let, let's start off. I always love to start off with, with defining the terms essentially. And so John, I'm gonna start with you and then Janet, I'll go to you and Laura come in last on that. Uh, so what does ownership mean? Or, and sometimes we use the word agency as well. So John, I'll start with you. What does ownership mean to you and what does agency mean? Yeah, absolutely. I like I love defining terms and I love zooming way out. So when I was thinking about this, to me, the basis of ownership is the world is either happening to you or you are happening to the world. Like to me, that's the most black and white. And I just love, hey, is the circumstance happening to you in this moment or are you happening to the circumstance? And if, if I get a bit more detailed and if I really need to define it, I would say ownership is recognizing that one has the ability to change or one has the ability to influence what's happening in their life. 
So to me, that's that's very broad and then getting a little bit more specific for for a certain person. I love that. And and John, just to, just to double click on that for a second. So you say that ownership has to do with this realization that I have the ability to change, which is not inconsequential. I think for maybe 20 or 30 years of my life, I don't know that I really thought that I had the ability to change or transform into this, you know, this next level of who I could be. And maybe there's more beyond that. So what's the shift that needs to take place for someone to where they really realize that and then start to take action on it? What do you notice with your clients that you see tips that scale? I mean, I'll go bigger than clients. I would say society. And I would say the most, I I think ownership is a superpower. And you can tell when someone has ownership in their life. And so I would say awareness and and how at every level of society and families and schools and in education into college and how do we begin telling people because it's an everyday thing and and we might get into that, that ownership's a muscle. And so every day that I wake up and my eyes open, is the day going to happen to me or am I going to go into the day? And this is why you see all over the Internet, you see, you know, take agency and make your bed and brush your teeth because the psychology says start happening to your life. Don't let life happen to you. And, and there's all the, the chemicals in the brain. And, and that's a very uh, hot topic right now. It's awareness. That's what I would say. You can't really lift the weight of, of ownership and use the tool until you're aware of it. And it's everywhere. I love that. I love that. Janet, what do you have to add to that? Yeah. Well, one of the things I like to discuss with my clients is that ownership does not equal blame. Oftentimes when we first introduce this conversation, people have feelings, they have emotional reactions, because I personally think naturally blame feels a little bit more comfortable. (laughs) And whether it's blaming others, or the reason why ownership can feel stressful, is we hear that word, and we think what it means is, oh, it's my fault, right? Like, oh, I'm to blame. And so oftentimes that's why people avoid it. They push back on it. And so I like to, first of all, make the distinction of ownership doesn't have to equal that anything is any one particular fault. In fact, ownership without shame can be a really powerful paradigm shift for my clients because once they can be neutral about it, once ownership becomes more of a tool or like John said, a muscle that you can build without the, oh, I'm bad or I'm wrong, without the moralization of it, then it suddenly becomes this tool that you can use to find more possibilities in your life to actually create more levels of peace and fulfillment and joy. I just want to put that out there because sometimes this can feel a little bit like a heavy topic, ownership without shame, without blame. I, I love that. And because and, there is so many different ways to come at this. And most of us have probably, you know, grown up in a household or had a coach or a teacher or a somebody in our life that did make ownership about blame or shame or about it was really heavy and a lot of pressure. And we really want to not have it be that way. Typically, it's like it's how do you just step in? Like John said, it, around like I have this ability to change and I have this desire to grow. And we use the phrase a lot of times in our coaching around what's the next level of the video game? What's the next level of the sport that you're playing? Or what's the next, you know, when I took piano lessons, what's the next, you know, level three, level four. And there was this desire for ownership and growth. Can It doesn't have to have this immense amount of pressure or, you know, potential blame involved with it. It's just, hey, I have the ability to grow and I want to pursue that. John, do you have something else to add to that? Yeah, I think I think Janet hit on such an important part of it. And, and Janet, I would even take it a bit further and 
I would say that it's the default. It's not the comfortable. And this is probably a practical tip for leaders or if you're a part of the family, just assume the default is blame. The default is protect self, blame other. And so as I'm talking to my CEOs, often I'll say, hey, if I were to follow you around throughout your entire day and sit on every meeting, I would insert myself at the beginning and say, hey, everybody, we're all going to want to blame during this meeting. It's not because you're bad. It's just because that's how your wiring is set up. And as Janet said, it kind of adds oxygen into the room and everyone goes, oh, okay. and then when it happens, we're not all shocked, right? We're like, oh, cool. Yeah, we all said that. Okay, fine. Okay, now we can choose because now we know about ownership. And so I think what Janet said is such a, it's a simple shift, but it can make such a big impact, but you have to continually use it because it is your default. Yeah, love that. And Laura, I remember you mentioning this part of trainings that we have around this concept of being on the hook. What does that concept mean? What does that metaphor mean of like being on the hook? Being on the hook is being responsible. Putting yourself on the hook is looking for opportunities to hold yourself responsible. Sometimes we think about what it would be like to let someone off of the hook, right? So someone has done something and we might be tempted to shame or blame them the way that Janet is talking about. We want to let them off of the hook. But the question that might be most helpful or resourceful for people, for myself, is how can I put myself on the hook? How can I find myself responsible, even leaving the blame and the shame behind? Yeah, I love that. And, and it's interesting with that metaphor, it's... One of the things that we talk about is, do you want to live a life that's on the hook or do you want to live a life that's off the hook? Do you want to live a life you're making commitments to yourself and maybe to other people that is putting more weight on the bar? It's stretching you. About two years ago or three years ago, I decided I wrote a book. I had been putting it off and putting it off or dabbling in it, dabbling in it. And at the beginning of this year, somebody asked me this question. I love this question. They said to me, what's the one thing in your life that needs to change so that everything else can elevate it? And instantly for me was, I need to get more committed to this book or I need to, something to that effect. And so what I decided to do was to put myself on the hook for waking up at 430 in the morning so that I had a couple of hours every morning before my day starts in order to write. And that was a way of putting myself on the hook where for the last couple of years, in some ways, I had been making excuses, letting myself off the hook, letting myself get distracted, sleeping in, etc. And I just decided I was done making excuses and I really wanted to get this book done. And now I'm making a lot more forward progress with it. The manuscript should be done in a few months. Um, and it's really exciting to, to reap the benefits of that. And one more thing on that is just to think about if you imagine like a week from now and you live the next week on the hook, how will that feel a week from now versus if you know you let yourself off the hook for the next week and you could do a month, year, lifetime, whatever. Yeah, just w when you were talking about piano and I was thinking about my personal story and sports. And, and I grew up and I was playing soccer. And I remember when I was younger, so I would probably say around 10, I would actually stay after practice and run conditioning to get better. That's not normal. And I'm, I often look at my younger self and I'm like, why? And probably because he was connected to a vision to be very good at the sport and to get better when all the other kids were like, yay, we're done. I would still do that. And then as I got older and in college, even when the coach would invite us to run, well, he wouldn't invite, he would demand that we run, right? We run sprints. I didn't look, I didn't take ownership of it. I said, oh, he's making me do this. He's making me do these things rather than go, oh no, I get to run sprints. I get to take ownership for this and it gets to better me. And so now I'm thinking about everyone out there. And as they wake up, are they taking ownership over the everyday practices? 
And this is where I'd invite you to think about your morning routine. Are you taking ownership of your morning routine and not viewing it as something you have to do, but viewing it as this is just daily practicing the muscle of ownership. And so when you, when you use the example, that's that's immediately what I thought of. And even every day when I make my bet, I go, I'm practicing making my bet. And it's launching me into, into deeper ownership of the other things that I say I want to do in my life. Just to add to that, John, I loved how even if somebody's quote unquote making you do something, he's not forcing you to do it, but in order to stay on the team, you've got to run. And you're, what you're alluding to is that it's a more powerful mindset to say, I'm choosing to run. I'm taking ownership for the desire to be on the team and therefore I'm going to go run. I think there's something so practical here. So if whatever job you're in, maybe make a list of three or five things that either your boss or your team or your job makes you do. They make me speak up in meetings. They make me be in the office by a certain time. And I would love for you to put the shift on and go, okay, instead of my boss making me do this, I'm going to take ownership. This is a chance for me to step in practice this and I'm curious what would shift. I'm curious how the energy would shift. I'm curious if differences would be seen in your life. I'm going to take ownership for taking the trash out instead of, you know, someone needing to ask me multiple times. Have you heard the exciting news? Pre-orders are live on our book, Beyond High Performance. What great coaches know about how the best get better. This number one Amazon bestseller is 250 pages of expertise from Novus Global coaches and their clients who share how they apply their leadership tools in work and life. To make a sweet deal even sweeter, pre-ordering this book unlocks bonuses, including access to the Beyond High Performance Network, enrollment in a leadership masterclass, early access to the book itself, and a free copy of our companion workbook. To learn more and pre-order now, visit novus.global forward slash book. We're going to transition a little bit here into, so we, we talked a bit about uh, ownership and agency and the concept of that and what it looks like in really taking ownership for one's life and really leaning into the fact that you have a lot of agency. You have the agency to show up to work on time. You have the agency to to grow if you want to. You have the agency to hit your certain sales numbers. And so now I want to transition is, what does this look like in a coaching framework? So what I'm going to ask of these three coaches is, tell me about some stories of like, where was a client before they worked with a coach and were really taking ownership? How did they then shift into taking ownership? And then what results did that create? And so I'm going to ask them to share maybe personal stories about how that's shifted their own life and maybe that's have had them grow similar to me with writing the book or what are some examples with clients and just be really practical with it. How did that shift for them? So uh, Jan, I'd love to start with you first and dive right into it. So how have you seen this work in your coaching life and, and working with clients? What's so cool is that, like you said, this is what we do with our clients, but it absolutely has transformed my life, my relationships, uh, my career results. Uh, it in some ways becomes, I, I overstate this, but to me it's important, is that it is a muscle. And when people first start this conversation and they're struggling and it feels overwhelming, I tell them, hey, if you go to the gym and you haven't been to the gym for a year and you lift that 10 pound weight, it's going to feel heavy, but don't be surprised. Like you haven't been in the gym for a year. And so when you first start to practice ownership in all areas of your life, it's going to feel a little bit like a heavy lift. But the more that you practice it, the more like the next time you go to the gym, you can pick up 15 pounds, 20 pounds, 50 pounds, uh, and you begin to grow stronger. And so one of the ways we invite clients to practice ownership in the coaching space, one of many examples is we have them 
answer or we invite them to answer five questions before every single session. And I love these five questions because I find them to really help my clients connect to their outcomes, connect to their vision, their dream, really just helps them make the most out of our sessions. And the fifth question is one that we use everywhere. And I've adopted it into my personal lexicon as well. And it's simply this, what is maximum value for our session today? And so again, meaning, hey, if you left this session with the most amount of value, you left either clear or with next steps or with a new mindset or a big breakthrough, what might that be? I had this client that for the first two months of our coaching never answered that question. And she knew the whole deal. She knew the purpose of it. And every time she would not answer that fifth question, what is max value for our session? And so about two months in, we had like a very deep conversation about it. I said, tell me more about that. She's like, well, I don't know what to answer there. And as we dug in, we discovered that for most everything in her life, she never stops to ask what she wants. In fact, her ability to actually say, this is what I desire, or this is what I want, or this is the value that I would want was so atrophied that question would break her brain every single time because she would wait for me to tell her, this is what the value is that you should be taking away. And it took just like in the gym, multiple times of asking herself that question by month three, month four, month five, finally, she was able to articulate after each session, this is what I want. She was able to state something over and over again. And for her, that was a major lift of learning how to own her life, own every experience. She started to take it into meetings. Every meeting, she would ask herself, what's maximum value for this meeting? She would take it into her marriage. What's maximum value for my marriage, my, my, uh, this event that where I'm hanging out with my kids slowly, but surely she began to see what possibilities that created in her career, in her marriage, in her life. And so to me, that's an example of an ownership question. Hey, what is, what do I want? It's really just a want question. Like what's maximum value? Most people are afraid to answer that question. So that's an example uh, with a client where they began to take ownership over time. Yeah, I love that. And I've even heard John say this question that's very similar to that, Janet, of what is it you want that you don't currently have in this scenario? So it could be your marriage, it could be your sales numbers, it could be a conflict in the workplace, it could be something with your fitness or your health and really invite you if you're listening to this to maybe even pause the recording and say, what is it I want that I don't currently have in my life? And then maybe drill that into a specific scenario of that is a massive ownership question. It's saying, hey, what do I not have here that I want to create? And then how am I going to go about creating that thing when it first starts with awareness? So, Laura, I want to go to you next. So how does this play into working with clients? Yeah. So for me, I've noticed that resentment and frustration are my two key signals for myself and my clients that we might want to talk about ownership. And the question that's really rocked my world and has impacted my clients is how am I creating the experience that I'm having? And it's not powerful because it's true or 100% true. It's powerful because it opens up opportunities. I've noticed for myself, like blame limits possibility possibility. It puts it somewhere else on someone and suddenly all these doors are closed. Whereas ownership, how am I creating the experience that I'm having, opens up this whole world of ideas. 
And I did this with a client recently. She came into our session and she was feeling really frustrated. Other people on her team had received promotions and raises and no one had talked to her and no one had given her, you know, what she thought she was owed. And we talked about her frustration and I asked that question, hey, how do, how do you think you're creating this experience around promotions that you're having. And we sat there in silence for a very long <laughs> time. And at one point she even said, I really don't know. And I was like, okay, let's keep thinking about it. And once it started, we just filled a page with all of the different ways. Suddenly it occurred to her, I haven't said I wanted to raise. Mm. I haven't had this conversation with anyone before. I've never asked for a promotion. I'm not sure anyone knows I want to do something different. And we just went and went and went. And at the end, she committed to having these conversations she noticed she hasn't had. And she received what she asked for. Mm. So it opened up all of the doors. It's so interesting in kind of what we were talking about before is uh, people have hesitancies or distractions or fears or excuses. And one of the things I love about coaching is that oftentimes for me, coaching can be a, an unflattering space. When I'm getting coached, it can be me kind of exposing the unflattering areas of my life where I'm hesitating, making excuses, distracting myself, not putting myself on the hook. I love that about coaching is it brings it into the light and then I can do something about it. And it's like, do I really want to do something about this? Uh, John, how about you? How does this factor into when you're coaching clients, the, this concept of ownership and agency? I love everything you're saying and the simplicity and how it all weaves together. Because even, even when you're listening to Laura's example with her client, it's like we overcomplicate it, don't we? We overcomplicate our own lives and then we all come together, which we call teams and companies, and then we really start overcomplicating it and making it complex. And I want to use this example, David, which I mean, I'm going to start with just a pretty simple base or, or maybe you call it a math problem problem, which is what is it that you want? Where are you right now? And what are the obstacles and actions and gaps between it? That's for every single individual, wherever you are in your life right now. That's for any team. So if you're a leader and you're, you're leading 10, 20, 100,000 people, I would invite you to simplify it to that level. And you'll, you will immediately tell me all the excuses and reasons why that won't work. This is where I would love to invite everyone to invite ownership into the space. And this is my most used tool, I would say, in coaching. In trainings, in coachings, I will say this in any room I get in, and it's the system is working exactly the way everyone in the system wants it to work. The system is working exactly the way everyone in the system wants it to work. And that will immediately put a stop to arguments, to people fighting around who's right, because I would say this is where companies, if they actually want to radically transform and become incredibly efficient, they will start saying that and, and stop fighting about who's right and whose way is better and which we should do and making it more complex. And if you can create buy-in around, hey, guys, the big argument we're having, that's what we want to do right now. We don't want to achieve our vision. We don't want to achieve that goal. We don't want to solve this problem. We don't want to have an effective discussion. We just want to argue. And then we want to go and we want to resent and blame and then talk behind their back. And we'll call that our company culture. Instead of coming to some agreements around, hey, guys, do we want to take ownership? Do we want to take ownership? And if we do, that's where I think people can really accelerate their growth. Leaders, look for people in your cultures that are willing to take the courageous first step of saying, hey, here's what I'm going to take ownership for. And then even here's what I could take ownership for, but I'm not yet going to do it. And with that, I cannot wait to see what society and individuals and companies would do. This literally happened last week in a training room uh, <laughs> where 
I had uh, an executive who we have space in our trainings usually for people to just complain, <laughs> which I love because oftentimes complaints get repressed, uh, unsaid, or people aren't connected to them. And uh, this particular executive, her complaint was that everyone comes to her with their complaints. <laughs> uh, and you could tell that, you know, sometimes people, when they're expressing it, they almost are tongue in cheek. They're kind of self-deprecating. And for this person, it was heavy. It was like, yes, I'm tired of this. People are always coming to me with their complaints, whether it's complaints about a colleague, whether it's complaints about a system. I'm so tired of everyone always coming to me with my complaints. And of course, the exercise we do reveals the way in which we contribute to that system, as John was saying. And I watched as her brain broke a little bit because it still didn't occur to her, even as she was saying like, oh, people come to complain to me because that's exactly the way that I want it. And that's a phrase that we have people use to help them understand that. And suddenly I, I watched it as it clicked for her that, oh, I keep this system running because I allow people to come complain to me. I'm not leading in a way where I'm inviting possibility. And in some ways, I see myself as the savior. <laughs> like I find identity in my role as, as the one that people come to. And I've been contributing to the system where people come to complain to me. And I like that role, but I haven't been willing to admit that to myself. And it just opened up so much new possibility for her in the next phase of her leadership and how she wants to begin leading. It's just interesting to watch the way in which even when we think that everyone else is at fault, not me, <laughs> that yeah. we can find new possibility. And Janet, we see it in coaching. We see it in training rooms. We see it in our own firm. When we go from blame, right, wrong, fear, when that shift happens, freedom. Our clients are trying to solve big problems. And so there's stress and there's pressure. And then it's so, it's so life-giving to watch freedom, creativity. Oh my gosh, here's a hundred things we could do. And Gerber, I wanna speak just for, just for a little bit about high performers, because I am a recovering high performer. I, <laughs> I'm still a high performer in a lot of ways. And for those that don't know, meta performers ask themselves the question, what am I capable of? It's expansive, high performers ask ourselves, how do I can be the best? Limiting, very defensive. And so if you're a leader and you're like, I have this high performer that's always, he wants to be right or she wants to be right. And frankly, they are right a lot of the times because their brains work fast and they're analytical and they wanna go, go, go. And so if you want one of the sneakiest leadership tricks I've ever seen, take all of that energy and momentum and just ask them the most simplest of questions and say, hey, is it working? Are you getting the result that you want? It will stop them in their tracks. It will stop the, the stories, the excuses, the reasonings about their right. Because deep inside, the high performer wants to win. They really <laughs> want to win. So as a leader, it's our job to come alongside them. Don't try to punch them in the face. Don't try to go to war with them. They will win. <laughs> Instead, come alongside them and say, is it working? And often that's where I see my clients let down the guard and they say, no, I wish there was another way. Perfect. <laughs> Let's be the first ones to take ownership. Let's win at taking ownership. And frankly, I, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I have such a soft spot for the high performers in the world that frankly carry a lot of frustration with them. 
but I think ownership is the path back into creativity, freedom, and energy. What if one call could change what you once thought was impossible into a reality? Novus Global is offering you an exploration call with one of their world-class coaches to explore what you as a leader and your team are capable of. Novus Global is an elite executive coaching firm that works with multi-billion dollar companies, professional athletes, nonprofit leaders in faith and government, all to create teams, companies, and communities that go beyond high performance. Book your call right now, Let's go to novus.global forward slash now. In some ways, assumes that people are open to this whole thing. They're open to new ways to go about it. Brings in this idea of like people actually think they have the ability to grow. And then they they want to incorporate the concept of ownership. And, and I'm sure all three of us have had times where we introduced ownership to somebody who was not ready for it or did not want it. And we've done it the wrong way or, you know, whatever it was, it just didn't land well with somebody. And so you're listening and your leader, maybe it's, maybe there's a moment where you've realized I'm not actually taking ownership in certain areas of my life. I, I don't know what maximum value is. And so as we shift into the final segment of this conversation today around what is it we really want people to take away? What are the most practical applications to this concept of ownership? And what I want us to be thinking about is what do we want leaders to take away from this conversation what questions do we want them to be asking themselves? So Janet, I was thinking about when you were talking about your story with the woman who had the complaints, what question would you want her or somebody like that to really be asking themselves at that moment? It's similar to the one that was already asked, but it's like, how am I complicit to the results that I say that I don't want? Yeah. You know, that there's just so much power in that. And we've seen it work for people in different industries, uh, different backgrounds. It really doesn't matter because, again, it's not about fault because to speak to victimization, there are real victims in the world and staying there often creates frustration and regret and chronic depression sometimes even. And we find yeah. that when we can actually just take responsibility of the contribution we're making, that's where the freedom comes. And just to add to that, this is where it's important to lift the ownership weight for yourself and not put it mm. on anyone else. <laughs> so hopefully what you're taking away from this conversation isn't, oh, my my spouse needs to take more ownership <laughs> or, <laughs> or my boss needs to take more ownership. Mm. Really, it's a tool meant for you to personally lift. And again, not to shame yourself. I've also seen high performers abuse ownership as a way to like make themselves feel bad and as a way to get themselves to work harder, like oh, I'm the worst or I'm horrible. Mm. And it's really meant to be a loving tool to open up possibility and new experiences. Yeah. And I just want to highlight the question you said, because I think it's, it's one of my favorite questions is, uh, how am I complicit in the conditions of my life I say that I don't want? And it's a really, it's a, it's a meditative question because you're the natural tendency of your mind is to say, well, it's not my fault. It's his fault, her fault, whatever, whoever's fault. And rather than just really sitting in that and just marinate in it and just let it, let yourself come up with whatever you come up with without weaponizing against yourself, without beating yourself up over it. Because once those things, I think John mentioned earlier about noticing, it's about awareness. And once I start to see those things, now I can do something about them versus when I can't see them, when I think it's everybody else's fault, back to John's question of like, is it working? Well, no, everybody's coming to me with their complaints. It's like, I can't you know, get anything done because everybody's knocking on my door. And so as we transition into, you know, the final segment of, of what we want, John, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it to you first is, is, so yeah. So what do you want people to take away from this yeah. and, the, and how can they apply this yeah. in the next 24 hours? 
Yeah, let's get into practical tips. And, and I think Janet, frankly, started us in the perfect spot. Apply ownership to yourself first. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, the greatest leaders, the most courageous ones apply this principle to themselves first. And then I'm just going to hit you with some other quick questions that I would invite you to write down or put in your iPhone note or an audio memo to yourself. And so are the results in my life that I'm currently getting, are those what I want? Do I like the direction I'm moving in? If not, no problem. You get to take ownership of those. In your family or in your company, what do you want ownership to represent? Do you want it to be a rare conversation or do you want it to be an integral part of your culture? If you want it to be in your culture, how often are you talking about it? Is it a scary subject or is it something that we love to talk about? And probably the last thing that I'll say is model it. Really model it because watching people that take extreme ownership often to the world, it'll look like you're giving in. It'll look like you're giving up, giving in, admitting failure. And in reality, you're the first one through the door. And so for all those out there that want to take the step and want to make the move, just know that there are many people doing the same thing. And this is the first true step to leading, I would say. Love it. Yeah. Wonderful. Janet, how about you? What, what, what do you want people to take away from this conversation? Yeah, I'll, I'll add one more practical step, which is to just write down all of your current complaints. <laughs> I, I grew up in an environment where it was not nice to complain. I was taught, don't complain. There's nothing, you know, your life is great. What that created within me was an inability to stress test for what I was currently frustrated with about my life. There was like an overall optimism or positivity that it can be wonderful and it can prevent me from wanting to look at or expose the gaps in my life, meaning the gaps between where I am and the dream that I want for my life. So write it down with in a space of loving yourself, you know, in a space of it's okay, like John said, no problem. Uh, and that's a good place to start because that's how we expose our gaps. It's how we reveal our vision, our dreams and uh, what we want that's different. And I would start there. And the other thing I'll add is a great place to practice this easily and on a regular basis is with the immediate relationships in your life, whether it's a spouse, friend, maybe even a colleague is where can you begin to own the part that you play in whatever breakdown that you're having currently. It is, it's just so freeing to actually go, oh, I can change it <laughs> because I have power over it. I can actually change it if I want. And so I would encourage that as a regular practice. Yeah, I love that. Laura, what do you have to add to that? What do you want people to take away? Yeah, similar to Janet, in terms of looking at your complaints, I would say, you know, if there's a relationship interpersonally or at work that really has you hooked, so to speak, your emotional uh, engine running. I know for me that I'll have conversations in the shower with, you know, this person that's <laughs> not there over and over again because I'm stuck on something. If you notice you're stuck on it, then I really invite you into that question. How am I creating this experience that I'm having? For me, that's like taking a fire and separating the logs. It just like calms the heat. It, it brings the emotional intensity down for me and it opens up opportunity. Love it. David, let me add one more that I just thought of and it's don't do this alone. Our brain loves to be right. Our brain loves to blame. It loves to make up stories. And so 
as you've heard in some of these stories, we sit there with our clients and we provide space for them to move into the creative. And so if any part of this ownership muscle, this principle, if you're like, wow, I want that in my life, or take it for a test drive. There are many Novus Global coaches that would love to have an ownership conversation with you. They are happy to do it. They will do it at no cost for the first mm -hmm. session, I'm sure. And I'm really interested what would come out of there. And so, so whether it's a coach or whether it's someone else in your life, begin to ask for someone, hey, will you, will you even hold space for me to begin taking ownership for where I might be contributing to this? I would love to see anybody, you know, send this podcast to other people, not in like a cryptic, like, hey, you need to take ownership, <laughs> but even send it out there because imagine what our communities and companies could do if we all really put this at the center and it became a focus for us. I love that. As we close out today, as John mentioned earlier, this, this really practicality of vision reality gap, which really begs the question is, are you clear on what your vision is? Are you clear where you are now? And are you clear what's in between there? And so there's an exercise that I've been wrestling with a lot recently. I've been sharing with a lot of friends and, and with the firm. And that is this idea of uh, just a brainstorming idea of if you were to write down, what are the top 10 things that you'd love to see happen in your life in the next thousand days? And I, I tell people, have four of them be possible, have four of them be impossible and have two of them be completely absurd. And just write those things down. Just write down 10 things. You can have more. I came up with 24 on my first round through it because I just got excited. Just brainstorm. You're not committed to anything, but it helps you dial into like, what do I really, really want? What do I really desire? Because any decent story, any movie, any great book that you've read, it starts off with uh, this idea of the, the main character has a desire, something that they really want. And so if you're in a place where you're listening to this and you, and you don't know what you want, I would encourage you to sit down with yourself, your, your spouse, your, some friends, and just write out 10 things you'd love to see happen in the next thousand days of your life and see what comes up and then talk about that with people in your life. Have them do it, talk back and forth, see what happens, see what comes up. That's a really exciting thing to help you dial in the vision and then really get clear with your current reality and then the gap in between there. So for uh, Janet, for Laura, for John, my name is David, and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. All right, we have a few more things to let you know about before you go. First, podcast reviews really help us serve more people. So if this podcast is helpful for you, we'd love your help to get it into as many leaders' hands as possible. Please leave us a review, even if it's not five stars. And if you really want to go the extra mile, let us know what you'd like to hear about more of or what you think we could do better to serve you and the people that you care about. Speaking of resources, we have a lot online and they're all free. We have free assessments, educational videos, articles from sources like Fast Company, written by our coaches and clients, all designed to help you use our tools in your everyday life and leadership. To dive into the free treasure trove of goodies we have for you, go to novus.global and then click on resources. Some of you have been listening for a while and you haven't yet taken that next step to hire a coach. This is your time. I can't tell you how often I've heard from clients of ours around the world that they wish they would have talked to us sooner. So if you have a sense that you're capable of more, we would be thrilled to explore what coaching could do for you and those you influence. Simply email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. You might also be listening to this thinking you want to be a coach or maybe you already are a coach and you have a vision to build a six or seven figure coaching practice coaching people you love in a way that brings life to you and your clients well that's why we created the meta performance institute for coaching and it is an in-depth coaching apprenticeship designed to help you create the coaching practice of your dreams the first step in exploring that is simple just go to www.mp.institute that's mp as in meta performance dot institute and we have free assessments to help you see what kind of training you need to create your coaching practice the way our coaches do at nova global. And finally, and for some of you, this will be
be the most important part. This podcast was produced by Rainbow Creative with Matthew Jones as senior producer, Stephen Selnick as producer, and editors and audio engineers, Drew MacPal and Jeremy Davidson. We love working with this team. To find out more about how to create a podcast for you and your business, check them out at rainbowcreative.co. Thank you so much for listening. We love making these for you. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.